This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, everybody, to episode 12 of Browns Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, writer for the OBR, writer for Cleveland.com, coming at you guys with a little preview of the Browns' primetime trip to Denver, Mile High Stadium, for the Saturday night showdown, 8 o'clock NFL Network. It's going to be a fun game. There's a lot to look forward to, and a lot of eyes that matter across the NFL are going to pay attention to a game that, as we said, has playoff implications. Although slim for both teams, there are playoff implications, and it should be a really fun game to uh, you know consume for Browns fans. Probably the biggest game for the Browns since 2014 season. Has a different feel to it. This team's led by an up-and-coming quarterback instead of a uh, first-round quarterback who was thrown in late in the season. You could sense the doom in the Browns that was coming as they were seven and four at that time. But this is a different feel, right? Five and seven now, working on an upward trend. This game will be fun to watch for uh, many reasons, really. First being how Baker Mayfield handles the uh, road pressure lights. Right, he hasn't been in a night game on the road. This will be fun to watch. Uh, Freddie Kitchens and the staff coaching for their job still every week is a job interview. And it'll mean a lot to these guys, and the Browns are going to go after it. And, 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 you know, if you listen to player interviews this week, these guys are really treating it like a playoff game. So it'll be fun to see how the Browns prepare, how the Browns get ready for a big game on the road, a uh, raucous environment. It'll be fun. Really looking forward to this one. When we look at the all-time series record between these two, it is, it is heavily favored uh, for the Broncos. It's 23-5 all-time, one of the Browns' worst opponents uh, record-wise in all-time series. You know, the, the Broncos obviously haunt a lot of Browns' memories in the late 80s. The drive, the fumble, those sorts of things don't need to be rehashed right here, right now. We're going to try to keep this thing as positive as we can. Unfortunately, though, the Browns have lost 11 in a row. Last win came in 1990, a 30-29 win in Denver. So, um, you know, we are just going to have to see how it shakes out, but history is not in the Browns' favor. So if the Browns do find a way to pull out a win, it will certainly break a trend. You never want to see your, your team struggle to 11 straight losses against somebody, so I'm sure they're ready to... Uh, sort of break what has been a stigma here that the Broncos have had over them for some time. Last matchup was in 2015. Denver won in overtime 26-23. Before that, the Browns traveled to Denver and lost uh, 34-12 in 2012. Broncos are coached by Vance Joseph, guy who was fighting for his job as the Broncos were 3-6 and six after Week 9. They had a bye week. Week 10 came back out, won three straight, right? Pretty good wins, too. Beat the Chargers on the road, uh, come home and beat Pittsburgh, and then get a, a pretty decisive win in Cincinnati. But last week suffered a 20-14 loss on the road at San Francisco, which is really sort of an unfortunate loss in the situation these guys are in fighting for a playoff berth. So they will be coming in hungry. The loss probably brought them back down to earth, I would imagine, as they're riding a bit of a high, as any team would, winning three in a row off your bye week. If you get a chance to watch that San Francisco film, you will see a team that was exploited in the second and third levels of their defense, and really it is boiling down to how well Case Keenum can play against you know this Browns defense when he's been struggling lately. Several games under under 200 yards of late, and Vance Joseph called him out lately, uh, and we'll, we'll touch on that a bit later. But uh, the, the success of 
The Broncos is going to really depend on how well they get after Baker Mayfield, uh, how well that crowd can affect the Browns, all the above. Injuries this week, we are looking at uh, some pretty important players being out for, for Denver. They are going to miss two corners that they've been relying on. Chris Harris, obviously their best player, is going to miss this week. Uh, and also uh, Isaac Yidham going to miss this week. So they're down to uh, three corners. They don't traditionally play all too much outside Bradley Roby. So the secondary is a little bit maligned. Shaquille Barrett is out as well, one of their better interior linebackers. They do get Brandon Marshall back, not the wide receiver Brandon Marshall, but the linebacker version that will help them to an extent. does look like Tremaine Brock's going to play. It does look like Cortland Sutton's going to play. They have been banged up up front as they've lost a couple starters from the year to IR. That'll be interesting to see if the Browns' interior can take advantage as the Broncos haven't lost any of their tackles. So that Garrett Bowles-Miles Garrett matchup will be very interesting, something to keep our eye on. And if you paid any attention to what Denver Media has been talking about this week, it's how do they slow down Miles Garrett we will see what their plan is. But for now, let's not waste any more time. Let's jump over to our guest, John Stephenson, going to be able to give us an X and O analytical preview, uh, have you guys prepared for what to watch for, how the Browns can win on Saturday night. All right, guys, time for our weekly preview. I thought it'd be great. It worked last week. thought I'd bring back my OBR counterpart in the X and O's department, John Stephenson. You guys can find him at, at All22ChalkTalk on Twitter. John, how you doing tonight, buddy? Doing great. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm excited. I think we broke down as much film as we could <laughs> with our busy yeah. lives, you know. Um, yeah, it's you know, been, a, been a heck of a day. Yeah, you're teaching all day. I'm, I'm trying uh-huh. to get some stuff done at my uh, insurance firm too, and it's it's a uh, it's a battle. But we we got as much film as we could, and we we can hopefully talk to you guys a little bit about what uh, these teams do. So let's start off with defense. This is where everybody points to Denver. They look at that defensive line. It's very real. Uh, names you guys have probably heard. Uh, the, the draft counterpart or the draft doppelganger, Bradley Chubb, 12 sacks for him, his, uh, opposite side counterpart, Von Miller, one of the best in the NFL. I think Von has 13 and a half sacks. So those two are a dynamic duo. Let's start there. We haven't, uh, I, I guess we have, I mean, in the last two weeks ago, we saw the Texans with a pretty equivalent, uh, in terms of talent on the edges between Jadavian Clowney and JJ. Watt. how do you, how do they prepare? I know we're going to talk about chipping all that stuff, but is this, how do these two stack up to, uh, Houston's? Uh, booking uh, defensive ends there, John. Uh, in my book, they're they're right up there. Um, you know, Chubb's a young guy. He's already, um, you know, he, he's just already shown outstanding, um, outstanding talent, outstanding moves, um, nice technique. Uh, it, that's just they're they're scary guys. They're, they're right up there, and uh, you know, they very well could, um, particularly when as Chubb continues to develop his pass rush moves and acclimates himself to the game. Um, and really acclimate himself to the game is probably not the word because he's, he seems to be doing just fine. But they, uh, you know, they could become the best duo if they're not already. It's, um, it, you know, it's tough to think of anyone else that's, um, you know, putting up the numbers and just causing the, the havoc in the run game in the pass game that they are. Yeah, and then you you mix in um, you mix in Shane Ray and and Derek Wolf and some of these other guys who come off the edge a little bit for him. It's um, it's a formidable group, man. They they put up numbers mm-hmm. and. They're aggressive. I, I hope the Browns have some sort of plan, misdirection screen game. I would imagine Freddie's mm-hmm. a smart guy. He's showing that. He's going to do some of that stuff. So slowing those guys down will be paramount. We talked about this week on Cleveland.com. I threw that article up there about how we're chipping. That chipping stuff is effective. Uh, misdirecting, slowing down those edge rush guys. But you can you can come up with quick answers, and they've done a good job when they've gone to empty to have quick answers. And um, what you guys will see it look like is, it's almost going to look like a five-man front. It's, a, it's typical three-four, right? They're going to have, um, you know, Chubb and, and and Von Miller standing up, and then 
um, two Mike backers. I think they bring back Brandon Marshall this week, right? What 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 are we looking at linebacker wise for them, John? Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, Marshall and I believe um, let's see, was it Wolf that might be? Um, I'm sorry, I just lost my uh, my name sheet in front of me. Derek Wolf solicited as uh, questionable with the concussion. Yeah, uh, he's still um, don't know about him. We know uh, Barnett or Barrett, pardon me, is out as well. So um, they will have some backups in. Yeah, but, they, uh, so they played Marshall. They played uh, well. Marshall's coming back. They'll yeah, play Todd, Todd Todd Davis. Will play opposite Josie Jewell, the the rookie out of Iowa, has played for them in, in Marshall's absence. But yeah, they're gonna when, when you have a tight end on the field, they're gonna have seven men in the box. And you know, if you're gonna throw out of that stuff, the Browns are in that play action counter where they're pulling guards out to kick out defensive ends. You better get your butt out there quick. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's gonna be paramount for them to if they're sending Batonio and they're sending Zeitler out wide that they, they take the right angle and they, they get some help uh, with getting the ball out of there fast. So that'll be interesting. I, I, I know that against the Texans, it seemed like the Browns were over-prepared for it, I would say, John. They, they, they tried to, the first two, three, four possessions in the first half, I know the Texans dominated the football, but it seemed like they were trying to get the ball out really quickly and mm-hmm. that sort of forced the hand and they were a little bit off to start the game. They settled in and pushed the ball downfield. But I, I would look for them to do that. I I look for them to try to kind of find that controlled pace early, try to slow things down. You know, Denver at night is a different animal at mile high. It'll be a mm-hmm. raucous crowd. This is the closest thing we've seen to a playoff game for, for Denver in a couple of years and the Browns now in a couple of years. So um, it'll be interesting. That that part of it will be fun, especially uh, how they handle. That's the go-to uh, matchup. If the Browns can win protecting Mayfield, that's where this game can be won or lost. So it'll be very interesting. So, uh, secondary wise, I, I think they're they're beat up a little bit right uh, back there, right? Yeah, uh, yes, they are. They're down. Um, obviously, Chris Harris Jr. Um, that's the big one. Um, he's there. He's the playmaker. I believe he's leading the team in interceptions as of now. Um, forced fumbles, the tackler. He's the one that gets them set. He's uh, he's one of their defensive leaders. Uh, they're down some cornerbacks as well. Um, they're gonna be some young guys that are in. So, um, you know, Roby will still be there. Um, he's still gonna do what he does. Uh, but there, there, there are going to be some opportunities, I think, if the, uh, if the offensive line can protect. Um, there'll be some chances to push the ball downfield, make some, uh, win some matchups as well. Yeah, I think they, they signed Jamar Taylor recently too. Um, but, yeah, what, what do you see from them coverage-wise? I know last week George Kittle heard on the tight end from San Francisco between linebackers, secondary, not looking too solid. What do you think is contributing to their uh, underperformance on that side? Well, um, the, you know, the big thing that, that jumps out to me is something that uh, we as Browns fans know and probably complain about a little too much every week and that um, with their zone coverage particularly, it's, it's very easy to, to manipulate their eyes. So they, they have their eyes in the backfield. It's very easy to play action them and, and get them out of position. Um, that touchdown last week you just referenced was off a uh, Shanahan classic. Um, you know, fans of the team would recognize it. They fake the wide zone. They bring a post on one side, and then they bring the tight end on a about 15- to 18-yard drag from the other side. Um, Gary Barnedge made all kinds of money off that uh, that exact concept, his time here. Um, they hit him. He goes for 80-plus yards. That's that. Um, you know, the week before, too, um, the great uh, Xavier Grimble. This would be maybe three weeks ago they played the Steelers. My schedule's running together here. But the uh, the Steelers pulled off something very similar where they, uh, they faked or ran a play action with some uh, zone action. They uh, snuck the tight end across. They completed the ball, and he should have scored, but someone caught him right about the um, right at the pylon and uh, knocked the ball out of his hands. Just bad ball security, holding in his inside arm. But they, they've been hit a couple times over the last three games, you know, specifically by tight ends. 
So um, I'd imagine, again, uh, Njoku, this could be a, a good opportunity for him. He might be a, a, if you're a DFS guy or David Fantasy League, he might be a start this week. I think he's going to have some opportunities. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see if they get Seth the Valve involved too, especially with yeah. you know two athletes they weren't running down the field. I know they play Fells a lot, obviously, but it seems like the Valve's gotten a little bit more involved in the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. So plenty of opportunity to... I would think the Browns, if they can establish some run game success, that would be nice. Uh, Shanny's zone yeah. concept stuff. You, you you pointed out something really interesting to me with Shanahan's alignment and what, what Denver did to, to, to sort of punish it. Walk, walk, walk the fans through that. Okay, and um, honestly, you know, I, I need to go back and, and look at it in some more detail. Um, this is just something that caught my eye, and I'm not quite sure if it's a thing or not, but as I was looking at it, at the game last week, um, you know, on all 22, I'm watching the tight view behind the offensive line. It looked like the um, the split or the distance between the guard and the tackle away from the direction in which the play was going. So if the play is going right, the left guard and left tackle would have this extra wide split between the two of them. And the reason I think they were doing that is because they want a, the edge rusher. So we're talking about either Chubb or Miller here. They're lining up off where that tackle lines up. So when the tackle lines up wider than normal, the pass rusher has to line up wider than normal as well. So one of, one of the things with these two players is they're great pursuit players. So when Shani wants to run his uh, his outside zone stuff, you know he doesn't want the uh, backside player you know running it down from behind. So by widening them out, you're you're forcing you know at least two three extra steps in order for them to get to the play. You know anything that's away from them there. Um, but again, that's, you know, I noticed it on a couple plays. I pointed out to Jake. Um, I think he had a chance to peek at it quickly. Um, I'd, I'd really love to go back. And if anyone's enterprising enough, go back and um, check out uh, check out the entire game. Check out some other games um, in which maybe the, or, uh, San Francisco played uh, similar edge rushers and, you know, see if that's a thing. Um, there's... It's yeah. one of those little things that catches my that catches my football mind. Yeah, no, I saw it too, and I think that their speed on the backside is a real problem. So as Cleveland yeah. favors running zone, mid zone, outside zone, that they do, it'll be interesting to see if they can combat that backside pursuit because that's the backside pursuit that you want the Browns to have. They haven't done a very good job of it this year, uh, up front no, that downline pursuit that cuts off. Because you know when you run outside zone, you're teaching your running backs you're either you're either bouncing it, uh, which means you're, you're you're sort of reading your tackles butt and, and bouncing it outside. You're either you're either banging it, which means you got an alley up inside, or you're bending it back, right? You find a cutback mm-hmm. crease and you you bend it back. So, the bend has been a lot of the Browns' problem this year. So that'll be interesting to see if um, you know if, if the Browns can combat that speed off the backside that Denver presents. So, keys to Browns' success offensively is is have a respectable running game, in my opinion. Find a way to produce a solid yards per carry. Uh, that, that yields a respectable play-action concept, but they have to throw the football to find success. I think if the Browns are going to win this game, Mayfield's got to be right at his 280 and above average, probably around that three-touchdown mark. I think that's got to be the goal because this is a really beat-up Denver linebacker group, poorly uh, performing linebacker group, and a poorly performing and in, in, in health-wise corner group. So that's where I think the success lies on that side, just me. Um uh, let's look Denver offense. Pretty vanilla, man. What, what do you see? You It's completely night and day from last week, right? What do you see from Denver oh, offensively? Yeah. You know, that it, looks, it's, it is night and day, particularly after watching uh, the Panthers and all their motions and shifts and moving from empty, reloading to going from empty to two by two with the back, the jet motion, the fly motion, the orbit motion. You just don't see that out of Denver. Um, they, 
you know, they'll do the little things that all the teams do. Like they'll change the strength by taking a tight end off the line of scrimmage, moving them across. They'll motion the receivers a bit, but you just, you, your eyes aren't stressed. Like, uh, you don't, you don't face the eye stress that you do playing a team like the Panthers. Um, they're, you know, it, it, they, they begin and end, they start, or they live and die with their, uh, with their run game. That's it. They, uh, if they run the ball well, they win. If they don't, they lose. Um, so really the, um, you know, the key here, as far as uh, if I'm looking at this and I'm game planning and I'm deciding, you know, what hills I'm willing to die on. Um, I'm not, I'm not willing to die on the, the run game hill. That's something where, um, and I imagine um, old triple G, he will, he will probably um, game plan the heck out of this game to throw a variety of stunts, uh, full line movements, uh, when the ball's on the hash, cornerback blitzes, um, little gap plugs, just various things that are going to play with the, uh, with the, de- or with the Broncos uh, zone running scheme. And most of what they do will be zone. They'll, they'll run a little bit about gap stuff, power counter ISO here and there, but they're a zone team. That's what they want to do. So I, yeah, I what, what challenges does, does Philip Lindsay present? I mean, he's, he's a drafted kid out of Colorado, right? Yeah. I, I remember looking at him last year in prospect study and thinking he had an NFL future and, he didn't get drafted, which I thought was very perplexing. I know Cleveland had been at least talking to him, and he ended up signing with Denver because I think he saw Duke Johnson in the role that he would fulfill here. But what do you see, man? What's the film show you about him? Uh, he's a good runner, good runner, good vision, uh, has a nice little burst, um, can run through a tackle, can make a guy miss. Um, he's Yeah, he, he's an interesting guy uh, between him and uh, you know Royce Freeman. They uh, – that it's not not a bad little combo there. You know, I hadn't I had had a chance to look at Lindsey Mutz uh, through it before uh, scouting out the scan. And uh, I, he was just uh, – he's a little more decisive than I uh, than I thought he would be just in terms of when he, when he sees his read. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's pretty decisive. He just plants his foot and he goes with it like a like a good zone running back should. Um, it's, you just don't have time to dance back there. You just if, – if there's two yards to get, you need to just lower your head and get the two yards and, you know, live the, live the scene of the play. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's it's interesting how those two play off each other, and Lindsey has sort of established himself as one of the probably one of the better running backs in the league. <laughs> I mean, he's doing yeah, really I'd agree. nice I'd job agree. production-wise. He's tough. He's small. Mm-hmm. He's compact. He's got a little Darren Sproles to his game, so mm-hmm. he's fun. Uh, wide receiver-wise, man, they lost Emmanuel Sanders, which is just tough because he's dynamic and just I don't know. He's just a solid football player, and stinks for him because he tore his Achilles, and it's a contract year for him, and. You know, all the above. But it, it certainly has hurt Case Keenum. Uh, you know, Case Keenum, you have an interesting stat on Case. And I'll ask you real quick, just a little trivia question. If we get through Case Keenum, something happens there. Do you know who comes in for him? Oh, Lord. I'm going to look bad on radio now. Uh, well, just just think recent Browns history. Shoot, shoot, shoot. Oh, my. I'm on the spot here. I'm going blank. You got me. Kevin Hogan. Kevin you, Hogan. Reunited with Kevin get Hogan. Get the heck out of here. <laughs> yeah, he's their number Jeez. two on their depth chart right now. So, yeah. But, no, talk talk Case Keenum. What's Ooh-wee. going on with him, man? Ooh-wee. Yeah, well, again, I'm going back to what the uh, Broncos offense does. If, if they don't run the ball, they don't win. Um, in the last four games, um, and I'm sorry, I don't have a source for this, but um, Case Keenum's thrown for less than 200 yards in three or four, and in that fourth game, he threw for – The source is you. You found that information. That's right. Source. Gosh darn it, I found it. <laughs> It was either at 206 or 208. So um, he has not been pushing the ball downfield. And it got to the point where uh, earlier this week, uh, head coach uh, Vance Joseph called, essentially called him Cody Kessler uh, to the uh, press, told him that uh, you know he needed to push the ball downfield. He wasn't getting it done. Um, he needed to take some some risks here, even if it you know came with uh, you know the chance of turnovers. 
So the you know the secondary is going to have some opportunities. It sounds like to put their hands on the ball this week. Yeah, it looks like anybody who touches the Minnesota quarterback position in the last two yeah. games can't drive the ball downfield. Poor Kirk mm-hmm. Cousins. Yeah, no, I think that uh, if if Vance is pushing Case to to take shots downfield, it's it's probably advantageous to the Browns who have been pretty stingy in the pass department this year. They've sure. done a really nice job with it. Um, so they're they're starting Cortland Sutton, the young wide receiver from SMU. I'm heartbroken. There were three guys I loved in the draft, mm-hmm. Anthony Miller in Chicago, DJ Moore in, in, in Carolina, and man, did I love Cortland Sutton, and they passed on him in the second round. He's, he's having a really good year. He's a good young player. Um, I'm not sure his ceiling is being elite, but he's just really good, really solid. And solid. He'll, yeah, he'll, 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 be a nice, he'll be a nice challenge for them. They can't let him rip them apart. Deshaun Hamilton, the kid out of Penn State, really good football player there too, but just young. They're young guys that if you, you just, you know, they're not going to, beat you they shouldn't I should say shouldn't say not absolutes they shouldn't beat you uh, up and down the field so the Browns should be able to win more of those matchups than losing them they did get the kid Tim Patrick the Utah uh, he's number 81 they got him involved a lot I noticed he he can run a little bit he's tall six five guy so you know he's their third guy so but again man this is not an offense that that should overwhelm anybody this is if the Browns no. play a solid football game it is the type of offense that they should be able to handle, right? They should be able to keep them below 20 points. Um, I kind of see this game like 27-17 would be that money area for me. The Browns should win. And I'm struggling with this because I think the Browns should win. But it's like trusting something that has let you down for so long. <laughs> really hard. Exactly. And it's like the second you trust them, you know, that's when it's like it's going to come back to bite you. I, I just yep. – I do feel like I didn't even feel this way last week. Like I still thought the Panthers were probably going to end up beating the Browns, but you know this is uh, where I sit. It should be based on where Denver is banged up, where Denver is struggling, based on where Cleveland is strong uh, against against an average offense in, in Denver. It should be. I'm calling my prediction 27-17. John, where are you sitting with it? That's funny because my uh, my OBR uh, stat prediction was 27-17. That's ironic, man. That's right great. off the yeah, right on the. Uh, Head there, yeah. So that's good, man. I think I think the Browns are are going to walk into a game where I think Denver's favored by three. I could be wrong. Lines move all week. That is yeah. typically typically the number is 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 three points given to the home team, and um, that that means that they see these teams as basically uh, a push, right? So it could mm-hmm. go either way. I think Cleveland's better. I think Cleveland's clicking a lot better right now. It is do or die, not just for Denver. It is do or die for Cleveland. Slim playoff chances, but nonetheless. Playoff chances is one of the biggest. Still games. there. Yeah, yeah, one of the biggest games the franchise has seen since uh, 2014. So it'll be very fun to see where this one goes, how they react. It's a primetime game. They've been on uh, NFL Network once this year, but it's Saturday night, so all the eyes in the NFL will be on it. It'll be fun, great environment, man. I look forward to seeing how they react under this new coaching staff in this sort of situation. You win this game, come home against a pretty poor Bengals team that you can. You've certainly proven you can beat once. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, you're seven, seven, and one, going into week seventeen, do or die situation in Baltimore with your, you know, fate potentially in your hands. So it'll it'll be fun, big game. Uh, I think that it'll be it'll be very interesting to see how they come out and play. But John, thanks for joining me, buddy. If you guys follow him at All Twenty Two Chalk Talk, you're going to learn football. Please do that. We got a good thing going with these previews. As long as John's willing to come back on, I'm going to keep throwing them on because nobody's going to give us better insight. He does a great job with it. So again, John, thanks for joining me, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Jake. I appreciate the look. All right, guys, we'll be right back. So as episode 12 winds down, guys, I want to thank John Stephenson for coming on. He does a lot of homework, 
really uh, grinds the tape as much as he can. He's a teacher. A uh, coach obviously has a day job. I appreciate him taking time out of his day to watch as much Broncos tape as he can, come in with a really good plan to teach us how that upcoming opponent is going to prepare for the Browns. So that's it's fun. It's nice of him to do that. I want to thank him again. I want you guys to follow him if you can at All22ChalkTalk. Subscribe to the OBR if you can. You're going to get content from me. You're going to get content from John. It's a win-win. You're going to learn as much as you can about football. That's the goal. That's always been the goal. We're going to continue to do that on this pod so you have a really good feel for when uh, this Saturday comes around or Sundays during the regular season. You have a you have an idea of what it's going to take for the Browns to win, and you're going to have an idea of what the other team is going to try to do. It's always the goal here at Brownstone Breakdown. I will urge you guys also to uh, jump on uh, the uh, Blue Wire Network if you can and take a listen to the Rebuild Pod. It's a new pod on covering the Browns by Jordan Zerm. Jordan's going to try to give you that whole big picture rebuild, sort of that day-to-day, game-to-game, month-to-month, year-to-year, what it's going to take for this Browns team to rebuild. So while we focus on Browns from breakdown on the X's and O's, we focus on the analysis side, we focus on uh, game previews, game recaps, that sort of stuff. Jordan's going to do big picture things and uh, is going to have some guests who can, who, can, who can really give us some good insight on those big picture things. Uh, that are going to be important as the Browns work toward an offseason that is going to be full of key decisions and um, you know big-time roster moves, big-time coaching moves, all the above. So it's a good time for Jordan to get involved. I'm really happy he joined Blue Wire. Uh, Kevin Jones, the founder here, has done a great job with all of that stuff. So follow along if you can, guys. We are just getting started on the Blue Wire Network. Uh, if you can, too, I'll make my weekly reminder, iTunes, if you can go on, follow what we're doing here, subscribe, review, rate, all the above. Always appreciate it. Uh, you guys seem to do a really great job with thinking this podcast is good. I love you for that. You guys have been really nice in the reviews. I can't thank you enough. So uh, that's really a wrap, though, for episode 12. You'll hear from us again when we jump back in, recap the game. We're going to have Brent Sobolewski on to recap the game. Probably Sunday morning we will get that pod to you guys, give you a recap of what went on. Hopefully we can cover a Browns win. So until that time, hopefully these Brownies can break the 23-5 and uh, overall record the 11-game losing streak. Hopefully we have a fun victory week again next week. Until that time, guys, go Browns. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com